boys are here to bring about the end of the world. I'm the right hand of doom, Matisse Van Rossum. I'm Cleve Sapien. Oh, there you go. Cleveland Mosher. <laughs> Live from the hot couch, I'm Ben Sheets. And we're talking Hellboy! Not just Hellboy, but also Hellboy 2 and Hellboy. So, here we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this joke will never get old. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to start with uh, the 2004 original Hellboy film uh, by Guillermo del Toro. Broadly, we're sort of talking comic book horror, but really specifically Hellboy. This is a movie that Cleveland, you and I, I know, have seen many, many times. Oh, man, I grew up on the first one. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a classic. Um, but this was your first time seeing it all the way through, Ben, right? Yeah. Um, I grew up in a very Christian household, so uh, oh, yeah, Hellboy was not a thing. But I had obviously seen plenty of bits and pieces of it on TV and whatnot. I just had never sat through all of it. This is a movie that I admit certain things have not aged super well, but I do have a lot of nostalgia for the film, um, so I can forgive a lot of that. I also just really love Guillermo del Toro, um, and I think that he was probably the right person to kick off this franchise as somebody who does love uh, comic books and also monsters as much as uh, as much as he does. Hellboy is uh, is the the right franchise for that. I think it's very much in his magical realism uh, wheelhouse as 100%, well. You know, yeah, um, which helps a lot. I am interested in getting into some of the the details of this one because as someone who didn't come into it with a bunch of nostalgia, there were some things that didn't really work for me. For example, uh, one of the main threats in the movie are these like reanimating dog monsters in Semi-L, a lot of ways. yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Hound of Resurrection. Exactly. And they're kind of cool at first. You know, you get some cool action set pieces, but it gets kind of samey after a while. No, I, I agree. Um, it starts out, you know, with just there being the one of them, but the whole thing is every time one dies, it comes back as two. So by the end of the movie, there's just like a, a swarm of them. They're sort of the generic minion monsters to be killed. I can see how how that gets uh, somewhat boring. And the the I think the the whole arc with uh, was it Liz? Is that her character's name? Uh, Selma Blair. Yeah. Yeah. Like with you know, Hellboy kind of tracking along with the agent who's just trying to be like a good guy and like. That oh, stuff God, did not age. Yeah, that's well. pretty rough. And no, like no, no, it, no. the the yeah, the, the whole midsection of the film, yeah, like definitely like has some pacing problems. In a weird way, a lot of the the non-action stuff feels very rom-commy because like a yeah. big a big part of the the arc of this first movie is like um, you know, Hellboy is in love with Selma Blair's character, but, you know, she's troubled and, you know, keeps leaving the Bureau of uh, Paranormal Research and Defense and keeps coming back. So a she lot of it is... She keeps leaving the, the Bureau to go kill a bunch of people in an asylum, <laughs> <Right>? you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, 
So, like, a lot of the non-action stuff is, like, him trying to reconnect with her, and you've got the, the added element of the the Myers character, the, the dweeby, uh, good boy FBI agent who seems like, to be trying... Like, was somehow, like, Topa Quantico before he came right, here. Right, 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 right. That dude wouldn't have lasted a day. He seems to be kind of, like, a day, like swooping in on Hellboy's action, yeah. and uh, so there's the, there's the jealousy aspect that that whole shit i think yeah, e- like, honestly even as like a, either even have as a, kid, a relatable even as a kid, joe i hated that oh yeah no yeah. absolutely yeah. i never I liked that. him it's like no e- he's either the worst have, character oh yeah like either have your relatable joe character or have like a, your top fbi agent like right don't don't give me some weird like middle ground well yeah that's the two. thing too because as we see you know in hellboy 2 it really didn't need that Joe Schmo character no, he's, at all? He, we don't need that character because you know? Hellboy himself is relatable enough. Yeah. The whole thing about Hellboy's character is that he can't help that he was born a demon and all he wants is to fit in and be like a part of the world with everybody else, but he can't because he's big and red and has a giant stone hand and fights monsters for a living. Yeah, exactly. So and- like that, that in and of itself, like we see enough of him that he is just like a regular dude. So Hellboy is the relationship character we don't need the the dweeby fbi agent as like a stand-in it doesn't make sense in a way it almost strips some of that humanity from the characters because you know you're putting all the sympathy towards this you know joe schmo character and it kind of takes some of the complexity out of all the other characters around him well and i think the thing is too is like this movie has so many good characters too that like the the myers fbi character is just so obnoxious and unnecessary like hellboy's a great character selma blair's character is is great doug jones is great the abe sapien character mm-hmm. Um, John Hurt is great. Fucking He's Jeffrey wonderful. Jeffrey Tambor is, yeah. is is hysterical. Like the cast of characters is interesting and sympathetic and relatable. Like these are all these are all characters that like you want to get to know and spend time with. So you throw in this fucking total dweebus, and it's like, why the fuck is this guy here? Even as a kid, I always thought that I hated him so much. One of my favorite parts of the movie is when he's like on the date with Selma Blair and Hellboy just starts throwing rocks at him. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. The whole spying angle of that scene was something that didn't age super well, but the rock throwing part was like just the oh, icing yeah, the, on the, the cake. Oh yeah, the stalking voyeuristic yeah. kind of thing. It doesn't bother me too much just that because like Hellboy is a very flawed character. Like he's relatable, but he's also super immature and jealous. And and they and, play it kind of slapsticky, which yeah. helps a little. And bit. having having him like the kid there really helps too. Yeah, having him meet like the kid on the roof who's like taking care of the pigeons is like, hey, you're Hellboy. He's just like, I'm on a mission to spy on on these two people who are on a date. Uh, I, I think that that helps helps that scene a lot is like yeah. is having the kid like the there. kid yeah. yeah the kid almost calls him out on it i think the yeah. film was like relatively self-aware like yeah, yeah, yeah. of that which was good um i let's talk a little bit about like the the intro of the movie because i actually really love the opening yes. of this movie i'm one of those people who thinks that like the superhero origin story is really overdone but i think that this movie does it well because you get like 15 minutes of origin story at the very beginning and then it does a massive leap forward in time to put us like right in the action but i mean also just because like evil occult nazis at the beginning 
Super like, cool. what's not what's not to love? Yeah. Yeah. Nazis are such good villains. It's the the Indiana Jones formula, you know, just at work. Yeah, and you have these like kind of superhuman Nazis with powers and whatnot, which kind of liven it up a little bit. Well, yeah, you know? your your favorite character, Cleveland Cronin. Cronin, yeah, yeah the the gas mask, Carl, guy. whatever Cronin, yeah, yeah, Carl Ruprecht Cronin. He never says any words in the movie other than ah and clicking yeah but like he's he's a very cool villain he's great like which i just can't buy it like which is part of the part of the so reason part of the reason why the just repetitiveness of the semi-l monsters doesn't bother me too much yeah. because you need those like generic minions to just sort of get swatted aside and you still have other cool villains like cronin and like rasputin yeah um, i think more rasputin would have would have helped I agree. Like, um, some of that does feel a little bit underdeveloped. I think he's a, he's a pretty cool character. Oh yeah, and I think that the sequence at the beginning with him like opening the portal to like a Lovecraftian chaos. Open a portal <laughs> with, and he's got the he puts on like the the big like metal glove. To oh yeah, open with, the like portal. With, like the steampunk gauntlet with like the rotating like like electrotubules. So and you've shit. got the and it's you've real. got the like the, it's not a CG gauntlet like it's actually rotating and well, shit. Well yeah, and and so you. Like, have it looks the, great. The parallel Still. between the parallel between like the giant gauntlet hand and then like Hellboy's giant stone hand because mm-hmm. like opening that portal is what summons Hellboy. I think that whole opening scene is great and so and the effects I think have aged surprisingly well for yeah. that. Uh, for fucking 2004 CG. Yeah. I, there, there's definitely some CG in this movie that doesn't hold up. Yeah, I think, I think I, for the majority of it, it holds up pretty well. I would, yeah, yeah I, I, I think for the most part, the CG holds up better than that. There's a, there's a few, <laughs> there's a few things yeah. that, that don't look great, but like the portal opening and like when we see the the chaos gods and their like big crystal prison floating through space. That shit still looks really good. Realistically, that was probably a model. Um, the, the background was probably CG, but that, that crystal thing was probably, uh, was probably Uh, a miniature. I think, I think think it it was probably CG. Like those, yeah, like it's, it's like crystalline and there's a little light refraction and stuff. I mean, I think there's the, the, the space around it was CG and I think the lighting was probably CG, but I wouldn't be surprised if that thing itself was a miniature. The only reason that makes me think that is because there's a lot of other like practical makeup work and like matte painting and stuff in the movie. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they tried to go practical where they could, even a lot of the fight scenes with Hellboy and Semiel is a is a dude. The Semiel is a dude in a suit in a rubber suit. Yeah, no, and like they and they some do... of that stuff does look a little bit corny. I will I will acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I'm I'm always uh, an advocate for practical effects. No, I actually think that like the the crystalline stuff was just good CG. I could be wrong about that, but like there's also like the sequence where like it shatters and the creatures come out of it. That was for sure and CG. whatnot. Yeah. Like towards yeah. the end, that was for sure CG. Yeah. Um, and I, and I love that that, like, that's one of the things that I love about Del Toro is that he's, uh, a big Lovecraft devotee, like Mm -hmm. one of his projects that has been in the works for years that he wants to do is an adaptation about the mountains of madness, but nobody will pick it up under his terms. Um, but I think we see a lot of that Lovecraftian, uh, influence in the design of, of the, the the villains and the monsters in Hellboy, which is one of the things that I like so much about the movie, is the the cool Lovecraftian monsters. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the CG 
and the Lovecraftian monsters work today because of the editing style of the movie. It's not barrages of quick cuts. Yeah. You know, it's very clean and controlled in its editing style. Yes. And that helps a lot with understanding Mm -hmm. what's going on. Yeah, the camera works really clear, too, which is... And there's a lot of, like, uh, I think you actually brought it up, Cleveland, or one of y'all did, the the panel wipes as transitions. Yeah. Which is... They're even more prominent in two. Things that I I wouldn't normally enjoy, but in a comic book film, I don't mind as much because it feels more stylistic. Yeah, I think there's actually... I brought it up, and then then Ben brought that same justification. Yeah, yeah, the seamless wipes in general work quite well for me in both of these first two movies. Uh, I think, like you said, Cleveland, they use it a bit more liberally in the second one. Mm-hmm. Even there, um, though. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that that is the nice thing is that, uh, you know, I, I've been vocal on this show before about how I feel about comic book films. And, uh, I mean, that's coming from somebody who didn't really grow up reading comic books that much. But, like, I I think that comic book films should have a very particular style to capture the same sort of ethos of reading a comic book. And that's a a big problem I have with a lot of the more recent Marvel films is they don't feel like comic book movies. Um, But I think think this first Hellboy movie does a really good job of that. That it it feels like an adaptation of comic books. I would agree with that 100%. Have... Now, I have not read any of the Hellboy comics. Have either of you guys? I started reading one of uh, the more recent runs a couple days ago, Hellboy BPRD, um, which are kind of set in the 60s and 70s um, with Hellboy. So it's kind of a different spin cool. on it. Um, they're they're actually quite good. Um, I haven't gotten super far into, in that, into them. But... In that limited exposure, did did you see any inspiration like between the the Hellboy comics and and Del Toro's movies did you feel like it was a like an accurate representation of the tone in in terms of tone i think the del toro movies hit the tone pretty well in some ways i think the new one which we'll get into mm-hmm. hits some of that stuff well as well but in execution, not as much. Sure. Um, I think what really de- differentiates the two is Del Toro's hand, you know, kind of polishing some of the messiness of the the comics. Yeah. No, that makes good sense. Um, I've been curious to read read Hellboy. Yeah, um, same. I'm kicking myself. I I haven't. I uh, yeah. That I've surprises been, I've been me. You're our you're our resident comic yeah. book guy on the show. I know. So. Uh, especially considering how much you love the del toro hellboy movies i would have expected you to have some some attachment to the the comic books i was too busy reading akira stay tuned next week (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh well ben what is was some of the other stuff that that you thought about this movie because you have the freshest Um, perspective yeah so here's the question i have for you guys i i'm sure your views will be a little more adjusted by nostalgia sure but i have always viewed this both hellboy and hellboy 2 as kind of hot couch movies um more in terms of themes than than tone or execution is it the edginess i think so i think so and that's how i I fully agree that's what i saw what i thought of before i'd seen them well you know 
uh, my, well, how did you, how did you feel? How did you feel after now? After, afterwards, them? I think it. Do they feel as hot couchy? It's to not you? as hot couchy, but I could understand how you could put them in that camp. But they are like the pinnacle of hot couch movies if they are hot couch, you know. Yeah, I I I would say that for our age group, they kind of fit in in that hot couch category. Uh, just because, like, early superhero movies were very much hot couch movies. Like, yeah, like, you know, uh, Punisher like and... The Punisher oh, and yeah. Blade. And, I mean, like, I like Blade. Yeah, uh, Blade's and, like, fun. And, like, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy and stuff like that. You know, those are the kind of movies that, like, when you're a teenager, you're at, you know, a buddy's house getting high off your ass and you <laughs> fall asleep watching fucking spider-man 3 and wake up on the hot sticky couch the next morning with the dvd menu music like rolling so like in that sense (laughs) in that sense i i agree that they are they are somewhat hot couch movies but i don't think that that is that's not necessarily i don't think it's i don't think it's indicative of the films i think it's just indicative of the people who are watching them yeah yeah i would agree i would agree I wish there was more humor in this first one. It definitely grows in the second one. Yes, I agree. Um, You know, you get your moments of slapstick or, you know, quippiness. I think this one is definitely more horror-centric than the second one is. I think a lot of that comes from the, the Lovecraftian cosmic horror elements that are thrown in. Um, it, it is very dour in a lot of the scenes and a lot of the, especially in terms of the color palette, like it's dark, it's dark. It's all, it's, it's a lot of like early aughts, like, like blues and green, blues and blues and greens and grays. And I think stylistically it somewhat works because Hellboy is red. So he, he stands out in, in these more, in these cooler color palettes, Mm -hmm. But I agree, it's much. There, there's some, you know, there's some some jokey moments. Hellboy is a himself is a very comedic relief kind of character. Um, he's always wisecracking, and I think Ron Perlman does a great job. Oh, he, 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 yeah, he takes um, and a half. But uh, I, I agree that the the humor is not as much in this one as it is in the second one. Yeah, it's it it's pretty reliant on like the schlock like factor yes. you know like there's all those like lines like i mean the one that really like sums up like the schlock factor and that is like there are those that go bump in the night where the, the ones, ones that, that bump, bump back, back. Yeah. like yeah. that's man that is peak schlock there's, like there are, there are a few uh a few really good instances of comedic editing the one that i think of that is one of my favorites in the movie is at the very beginning when uh like john hurt is out on the street and he sees in the window uh jeffrey tambor on the tv being asked about hellboy and oh, like yeah. the bureau and he's like now let me tell you this as far as the bureau of paranormal research and defense there is no such thing. Smash cut to the Bureau of Paranormal <laughs> Research and, and it's like It's like outside and like in, it's not even like underground or anything. Right. It's like and, it just, and you get the little, the little time stamp Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense and that I just think is so funny. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, like that, that shit always gets me every time. Um, I, I do love that like Del Toro very much has a sense of humor in a lot of his movies. 
some of his other stuff I would really like to cover on the podcast, like Pan's Labyrinth and The Devil's Backbone at some point. Yes, please. Which are much tonally darker, but, like, with, and, stuff, with stuff like Hellboy and, like, Pacific Rim and stuff, like, Del Toro has such a childlike sense of wonder and fun that I think he does a great job of, of expressing in his films, which is why, even though I'm not a big comic book guy, like, I love these Hellboy movies because it still makes me feel like a kid when I'm watching them, you know? Mm -hmm. Granted, I was 11 when this first movie came out, (laughs) so I was a child. Uh, But I I, I think that 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 sense of of, uh, fun really carries over well, and even some of the stuff that hasn't aged as well just feels a little bit more hokey. And in a comic book movie, I don't mind hokiness. Comic books are hokey, you know? And I agree, and I think that stuff gets developed even further in the second one, which we'll talk about yeah. in a minute or two. I, I feel like the ultimate shortcomings for this one are just not enough variety and sure. it being too dour. A little as flat a whole. in the midsection. You know? Yes, there, so. it definitely drags a little bit in the middle. Uh, I think the climax is great. When they go to Russia, and uh, I love when he like finds the, the... The old dude in the crypt! Yeah, he reanimate he reanimates a corpse uh, to to try to find like, uh, uh, the the right mausoleum that they have to go into. It's mostly puppetry too, yeah. like with him on his back and he's making all these like ah noises yeah. and it's well and then it's they go really like, fun like it's just, then, it's such a if if Henson was a little edgier you know like and then they go into the mausoleum and they just like go underground it's like this massive like, like sense fortress la- like sense fortress labyrinth it's like who the fuck built this you know and we never know and we it doesn't never matter, know and, and it doesn't great. yeah no it doesn't matter it has something to do with the the chaos gods that rasputin is trying to summon and uh man all the action stuff with cronin is great with him fucking spinning his swords around like a total it's like, so, hold on it's hold so on. they're called tonfas okay okay and that's important his bladed tonfas, yeah. Uh, spinning them around like a total anime weeaboo. Yeah. <laughs> the most weeaboo shit. It's, but it's it. great. I love, I love, it. love it, too. I love I love Cronin, this weird weeaboo Nazi gas mask. Dude, he has sand for blood. Yeah, no, that's the oh funniest shit. He's, he's, he's a literal wind-up soldier or dust just, for blood. He's just full of sand. Yeah. <laughs> I man, when I was a kid though, that scene where like after they capture him and he like gets back up and you see his face for the first oh, time. On the table. When I was yeah, when I was terrifying. when I was a kid, that scared the piss out Same. of me. When I was little, I was that, so terrified and fascinated by him. Like that part where he's walking around is CG, but like when he's on the table, when like John Hurt is doing the the autopsy or whatever of him, like that's a great puppet. Like he he like pulls his jaw open and it like snaps back you can yeah. it's very tactile you can feel it i think when he's walking around it's like it's still like makeup though. uh his eyes moving is definitely cg uh, you can okay, tell you, down, yeah, yeah you can tell it's, oh no i remember that it's now. for sure Sorry, that where it like pa- where he puts his robotic hand on and it, like um, pans up to his face and his eyeballs are moving around mm-hmm. it, that's definitely cg yeah, yeah. um yeah that that's great uh and just like the the big fight at the end where uh you know, we have Hellboy's moment where he unlocks the gate and he grows his big horns and has, like, his flaming crown. And then uh, 
snaps them off and stabs Rasputin. Oh, shit's great. Uh, wh- uh, while we're praising the effects, we should also bring up the one other big counter, which is the blue flames. Not oh good. yeah, uh, Selma Blair's fire effects look like dog yeah, shit. They uh, have not aged. They well. they looked like dog shit in two thousand and four, and they look like dog shit fifteen years later. Yeah, like, like that's a it's a bad. It's and the great. weird and the weird <laughs> thing is that they totally fixed it in the second one yeah it's it's much better i mean i know it was four years later but it looks so much better in the second Mm -hmm. one yeah her her fire effects just do not look good at all also there's the sequence where like rasputin visits her in the night and like gives her a night terror so she just she just detonates and kills (laughs) <laughs> literally everyone i think you've been then, like, in the psych ward and and like it's a pg-13 movie so like it's never mentioned well yeah because uh the fbi guy goes to pick her up from the same psych ward and she's like in solitary confinement oh, and yeah. one of the nurses is like it's like this is a disaster will be closed for months. Yeah, it's remodeling. Like, yeah, like, yeah, we'll be like, closed for not... months. Remodeling is like, no, and like everybody in yeah. your building died. She like... blew up the entire yeah. fucking, like <laughs> all of your patients, all of these like poor, like mentally ill people who already have no idea what's going on. All the doctors and nurses. All the doctors and nurses. Everybody just like, annihilated. They just be picking her up from a crater. Yeah, we are, we are going to be closed for months. We have to rebuild this hospital. We have to repaint. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like what? Yeah, I I no, I did think yeah. that was pretty funny. And uh no, I, I love the the fight with the big uh Cthulhu squid monster it's at great. the end too. It's great. Yeah, it holds up too. The, yeah, dude, well that's the weird thing is like the fire effects look so bad, but that big squid monster still looks really good. It looks like, fine. Like, looks fantastic. Right, and like, like the camera holds on it too, and it's like yeah, panning yeah, around yeah. and like like there's stable shots and I really want to emphasize that. It like looks this great. movie. It looks really good. This movie lets you sit in it like hellboy uh the father's office like like that whole oh, like, man. area like you really get to like hang the design, out with the characters the design the set of, design is amazing the design of professor broom's office mm-hmm. is fantastic the library with all these artifacts and then the big fish tank where abe is you get enough time in that in those environments and there are enough sequences especially just between both of the films like yeah. but even really just with the first one that like I could tell you where everything is located in that room. And, like, pretty nicely. Like, I feel very comfortable and at home there. And that's that can be kind of hard to do, like, when it comes to cinematography yeah. and set dressing uh, and, like, approaching a sequence. That's the thing, though. Like, like Del Toro has always such really a, clear, a clear vision of the worlds that he wants to build. That's one of the things I really respect about him as a filmmaker is that he's an incredible world builder and i think that this movie showcases that and especially the next one which i think we're about ready to get into uh but that really he really really emphasizes like what a fantastic world yes well on that note do you guys want to write this one and move on just uh Uh, quickly okay i'll start i have seen this movie more times than i can count i saw it in the theaters i love it i don't like superhero movies that much but uh this is definitely one of my favorites some of the stuff hasn't aged super well. Some of it is very hokey. The soundtrack, which we didn't talk about, is like very mid two thousands. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, so a lot of that contributes to its charm for me. It, it triggers those nostalgia buttons. So I know I'm a little bit biased, but uh, I'm gonna give this one a solid four out of five. I really like this movie, even uh- still. Yeah, uh, same for me. Solid four out of five, and I wouldn't hold it against anyone rating it lower. 
but like, no, me either. Yeah. I would I would understand mm, perfectly yeah, absolutely. well. Absolutely, but it's, a it's lot of a lot me. of my rating is is like I said, it's those nostalgia. Yeah, um, I didn't have the nostalgia coming in. I think there's a lot of great stuff going for it. I do have to knock it a little bit on John Myers, the uh, <sighs> the human. Yeah. And uh, the, human. <laughs> the real, <laughs> the real human being, and the general dourness of the movie. But when it works, it really works. So I'm gonna give it a solid three. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. All right. Well, that's a uh, strong three point Satan. Three point six 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 six, which I usually round up to uh, three point seven out of five pods for the first Hellboy. I get- Alright, um, so now let's talk a little bit about Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, which came out in 2008 uh, by Guillermo del Toro. Again, uh, a continuation of uh, the Hellboy franchise. And what's really interesting about this movie is that I remember seeing it in theaters. Well, I saw it twice in theaters because the first time there was a thunderstorm and the power went out halfway through... And they couldn't get it back on, so they gave us vouchers. <laughs> so I had to go see it again a couple of weeks later uh, to see the whole thing. And I remember not liking this movie very much in in theaters. Granted, in 2008, I was 15, I think. Uh, and I was just like, peak was like it's, age. it's not as good as the first one. Um, but I, I revisit it in college and we just watched it again for this episode. I fucking love this movie. Same, yeah. great. It's great. I like, thought I this don't, movie it's, was it's, excellent. It's, it's probably better, like, uh, than the first. And no, I, I fully agree with that statement. And I think, I think a lot of it was, you know, I was just at, I was 16 at the time, you know, peak edginess. Right. And, and I just, I wanted, I wanted more of that dour edge that was in the first well, one. Well, yeah, it's... And, and this film is way more colorful. In the first one, you've got, like, the Lovecraftian horror, the darkness, the blues, the grays, the greens. Spooky Nazis all dressed Spooky in Nazis black. Spooky Nazis all dressed in black. And in the second one... It's like yeah, it's about know. like the golden army, you know, the golden yeah. army, big shiny and, elves and, and shit, and elves and fairies and trolls and like their hidden world among ours. And the color palette is all like orange and yellow, and it's really gorgeous. And honestly, I feel like it's it does sort of stay stay true to that classic like superhero movie thing where after the first one, all of the characters have been set up. You know who these people are. So in the second one, you have more to play with in terms of storytelling and world building because you don't have to get people used to these characters. And they got rid of John Myers. And they got the rid human. of they got rid of Amazing. John T. Myers. <laughs> no, they sent him to Antarctica. I love that. I love that. It's so good. It's the so only good. reference to him in the movie is like, yeah, you you didn't like Myers, so you had him sent to Antarctica. It's like even in the canon he's suffering, and which is great. He's not there and he's like, yeah, fucking freezing his ass. Honestly, off. I wouldn't be surprised. They literally put him this, on ice. This movie came out four years later, so I wouldn't be surprised if they nixed that character because of 
negative reactions to yeah. him after the first one. Yeah. Because his character sucks. I have yet to meet uh, a fucking John Myers uh, apologist. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to add us. Uh, oh, yeah. If, if you, you exist. Yeah. Uh, fight me. You know? <laughs> I'll, I'll go. I'll go. We can go three rounds. No gloves. You know, <laughs> I will. <laughs> in the parking lot outside my apartment you know outside like, of the denny's yeah, yeah. Well, yeah no we'll we'll do it in the waffle house parking lot three three john, rounds no gloves you no shirts you understand that john myers is a representation of all that is good in us and you know that's, that's what john hurt was saying in the movie you just didn't get it you know he's he's great <sighs> yeah um <laughs> But thank God he does not taint this movie at all. Nope. Um, no taint. This movie is super fun. I think that it still captures all of the good horror elements that the first Hellboy had. Yeah. Like, there's some really good spooky creature design. You know, it's still violent. But at the same time, it also... You, you mentioned it earlier, Ben, that uh, Del Toro, as uh, as a, a Latino filmmaker, like he really has that that magical realism background, and this movie has that in spades. A hundred percent, I love it. And the thing I love the most about that stuff is because we don't have the John Myers character in here, it gives the other characters more room to become sympathetic. And to add some complexity yeah, to their characters. I agree. Um, because we see those actual moments where they're interacting with each other and the world in so much more of a dynamic way yeah. than the first movie. And we've already and we've already been introduced to them, so we know we we have an idea of them for the most part. At least with our our, our main three, with Hellboy, with uh Liz and with uh Abe. But I think in general it even works because you look at uh what's his name, the smoke Oh, the ectoplasm guy, yeah. Krauss? Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, yeah. Seth MacFarlane. He's amazing, yeah, in it. And I think I think the character setup and development of that character is excellent as well. That character you know? is great. He's and de- I think that's you know that's just because uh, Del Toro does a fantastic job in this movie, letting there be a sort of almost sandbox for these characters to play in. Play in, yeah, yeah, totally. No, I I I hundred percent agree. Like that that character specifically is somebody who I found so annoying when I first saw this movie and this most recent watch. I he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I, even when I was a even when I was sixteen, I think I, I did I did like that character. Well, I, I think I think his concept is very cool. Like a a, a man who has uh, turned himself into pure ectoplasm that fills like a like a diving like suit. a diving suit, <laughs> suit uh, and like all there's like a Robbie the robot like meets like a like a the weird like rotating spider mouth like yeah. the, the mask is mm-hmm. a really cool design like the way it rotates and like the little points pop up and down and like that. his whole relationship with hellboy like their struggle for like supremacy on the team because he's brought in as an outsider to lead the team because hellboy is too uh he's too unpredictable he's too much of a wild card so jeffrey tambor brings this character in Jeffrey Tambor fawning over him is amazing. Oh, it's so yeah, funny. It's really funny. But just like the their constant bickering and then when in the locker room when Hellboy finally gets like fed up with him and like smashes his suit and like all of the ectoplasm escapes, it's like, oh no. 
oh shit, did he kill him? And he just goes into the locker and just starts, like, using all of the locker doors to, like, smash Hellboy. That's probably my favorite scene of slapstick comedy in this movie. I love that scene. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Yeah, it's it's wonderful, too, because, like, he could just, like, step away from the lockers. Yeah. And he does it. It's great. This movie Uh, does such a good job of riding the line between levity and darkness. Yes. You know, that is a great example of it. You know, it's a dark moment at first when it happens because you're like, oh, shit. You think he's killed him because he's breached his suit. Yeah. And then it just turns into levity. You get the same thing in a way where uh, Abe and Hellboy get drunk together. Oh, yeah. It's a light moment. It's really sweet. You know, it really helps develop their characters yeah. and then it gets dark in the middle of it and they're still drunk so you you balance that levity really well right, the with villain like, the villain shows up like at their base while they're trashed and, <laughs> yeah no i i think that's great um uh going back to the locker room scene briefly like i love how when it ends after he's just like smashed the shit out of hellboy <laughs> with the locker doors how he just materializes like this smoke man and he just like saunter- <laughs> just like jauntily saunters off like singing something in german it's so funny yeah, you like see other people good. come into the locker room like wearing towels and stuff and just like the smoke man just like strolling away. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fucking yeah, funny it's, it's very good yeah yeah, they, they did some fun, like, uh, bits to kind of show off their budget at the beginning of the film. Like, you, you see, like, as, like, Hellboy is, is walking down the corridor with Jeffrey Tambor, you get those really fun shots of people, like, like of agents in the background trying to, like, like, like stabilize, like, giant stuff, spiders yeah. and shit. Like, they're, they're really fun, like, yeah. Yeah, that's the weird thing is, like, this movie is only a few years you know, younger than the first one, but I think the effects hold up way, way better. The few things that I thought didn't look super good in the first Hellboy, I didn't, I don't think I can think of anything in, in the Golden Army in terms of effects that, like, really bother me. I think, me. personally, I, I chalk that up to it being more colorful and comic booky. True. You know, in general, and, and they, more and they still and they still use they still use a ton of practical effects too. A lot, there's yeah. a lot of makeup Where, whenever they can. When they, they when one of my favorite sequences in the movie is when they go to the troll market. Oh yeah, and yeah, like you yeah. just see like all of these different like monsters and stuff. Uh, you know, all of this different makeup that looks great, and then you get that fight scene. It's really Star Wars-y, too. It is. Like, it's all the weird, like, cantina characters, yeah. but yeah. they've been Del Toro-ified, so they're a little bit darker, and, like, yeah. And then you get that great fight scene between Hellboy and the big troll, Mr. Wink, mm-hmm. who, and he has that, that big, uh... Like, retractable, uh, like, rocket like, hand. Rocket fist, yeah. yeah. Which is which is a very, very cool uh, design. And it, it's great to have them fight, too, because they both have a big... Fist, big uh, giant fists mm-hmm. um i man i love that part i like it I, I i like how that fight sequence ends uh particularly there's the moment where hellboy kind of gives him a chance he fires the thing into the giant like fucking grinder yeah like the food grinder and, and it like, sucks him in it sucks yeah. him in and like you kind of feel for him a little bit like he's like kind of pleading as he he gets ground up into bits like right beforehand and the, yeah there's, but like, like there's some humanity like, to him like it's 
Hellboy he still needed to him, die there, but Hellboy gave him the chance to walk away, and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think I think that a, a big difference between the two as well is that like in the first one, the villains are decidedly villainous, yeah. whereas uh, in in this second one, the the villains are a little bit more. Uh, morally and ethically ambiguous, which I, I appreciate because, you know, they just want to, you know, protect the world from, like, the the plague of humans, you know. They've been forced to uh, basically go into hiding because humans have taken over the world. They're, and they're like refugees. De- and destroying the environment and stuff like that. So, like... It's it's that classic case of where like the villains truly do not consider themselves villainous exactly. because they have they yep. they have what they believe to be a righteous cause and what personally I think is a pretty righteous cause too. It's just that they're willing to resort to genocide to to meet their goals. Yeah, uh, and I you know I think that classic always IRA fashion that yeah. always it always makes for for more intriguing villains where it's like, ah, the stuff you do is pretty evil, but at the same time, it's like, you got a good reason for doing it. And I think that's especially good for, for a character like Hellboy, which is something they tried to get at in the new one that they didn't do very well. I think it's just the idea is like Hellboy fights to protect humanity, even though he is not a human and like he has more in common with these magical folk that have been, you know, forced to live in hiding for all of these years. So it's like, he's more like them than he is like us, but he still feels that obligation to protect humanity. I think you really see that in the, in the fight with the elemental, which is another scene that I really like. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, while it was rolling, I uh, I was saying, uh, it's, it, it really felt like Deltora warming up for Pacific Rim because you get a big kaiju. Yeah, yeah, totally. But then at the, you know, when, when it's been defeated but it's still alive and Hellboy's got his big fucking gun pointed at it and the and the villain appears and he's like... In very Palpatine fashion. Right, he's like, yeah, go ahead and kill it, but he's the la- it's the last of its kind, you know. If you kill this, this forest god nothing will nothing like it will ever be seen again so like have that on your conscience and hellboy still does it but then when its blood is spilled like this whole part of the city is just turned into like this beautiful garden and we have the characters wandering around it being like wow such beauty can come from something so destructive like, i think i think all of that stuff is really nice like del toro really had a chance to get into that world building which i love so much in this movie and it, it plays so well into that outsider feel of yeah, the character, totally. you know, and that's why I think at its core, it, all of the, the narrative structure of this movie works so well, because it all hits towards that, you know, central theme of being an outsider in this world and, well, it, you know, deciding between, you know. It's what it's what makes the idea of Hellboy so interesting, it would make more sense for him and, you know, his team, you know, Liz and Abe and, and Krauss too, you know, like they're all outsiders. They're all quote unquote freaks, but they're, you know, trying to fight for and defend like what we would consider normalcy, you know, it's, it's what makes that concept interesting. And I think you get, much more of that in this movie than you do in the first one, which which is an exploration that I really like. 
Um, what'd you guys think of the the golden army fight near the end? Love it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's dope. Especially <laughs> when uh when Krauss leaves his suit and he possesses one of them. Yeah, it almost becomes like rock'em sock'em robots. Yeah, dude, you know? it's awesome. It's so great. <laughs> it's really fucking dope. I yeah. do think that it's uh towards the end of the movie there's some some logical questions that I always arise when i'm watching it like they convince kraus very easily to go to uh ireland or whatever you know they're just like hey man we're not so different you and i and he's like you know what you're right let's go <laughs> it's like, it's like oh shit that was really easy and then also yeah, like, like they... the whole time he sees himself as an authority figure and then like <laughs> in the last second just by like a singular point of relation he's like yeah fuck authority right which i've clearly always held like great tenants towards and then uh <laughs> with the with the fight at the end with the golden army it's like that could have been easily stopped by Hellboy disputing uh, Nuada's right when he, like, has the crown and he's like, I command the Golden Army, does anybody dispute my right? Like he asks a question and then nobody he, he, says No, he anything. literally asks, does anybody dispute my right and nobody says anything and the Golden Army gets activated, then we get that great fight scene, and then after the fight <laughs> scene, Hellboy's like, I dispute your right, so yeah. then they have their one-on-one and it's like, uh, okay, well, they did that just so they could have a big golden robot fight. But also, so, like, wanted I don't blame fight, them for so. that. Right, no, I, I, want, I want the golden robot fight, so I'm not mad about it, but it's just one of those things <laughs> where, like, from a narrative perspective, it's like, it, it's flimsy, it's flimsy logic, it's flimsy storytelling. You know, that's that's a minor thing. It's a minor thing. All one of the things I do want to talk about is uh I am very upset that this that this uh trilogy never got its conclusion Same. because I think in the last act they do a lot of the of really great setup for the inevitable conclusion that we never got. Um like when they they meet uh the the angel of death, which is my so favorite good. just my favorite creature design Whoa. in the whole movie wow. you know you get that that prophecy about you know hellboy's got the the tip of the spear embedded in him and it's gonna kill him and uh the angel gives selma blair the choice like i can save him but if i do like he's gonna bring about the apocalypse and you're gonna have to deal with that so do you really want me to save him and she's like well fuck yeah no save him and I think that 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 setup for the conclusion, like I want that movie so bad, and we're yeah. never gonna get it. We're never gonna get it. Yeah, we're never gonna get it. <sighs> I mean, the story is probably told in comic book form. If you want to know the, the I don't conclusion, care. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. I want. I want my. I want my Ron Perlman Hellboy. We haven't talked much about Ron Perlman in as this character. He's great. I love Ron Perlman. I, and it's I think also, that he's, he is, like, the perfect casting for Hellboy. Because he honestly, he looks a little bit like a troll to begin with. So, like, they just had to make him red. He's yeah, so good. He does a great job he's in fantastic. it. He's um, fantastic. That's one thing, you know, I I do agree with you. Like, I wish the, the trilogy was concluded. But I wonder, now that it's been over a decade since well, the last one I mean, how ron point, perlman would be as hellboy 
You know, he hasn't aged super poorly or anything like that. I mean, I think you can fix a lot of that with makeup. Like, he wasn't that young when when he did these two movies anyway. Ron Perlman, like, so Hellboy came out in 2004. Ron Perlman was born in 1950, so Ron Perlman was 54 when he shot Hellboy. Like, like just... Think yeah, he was that. almost like, 60 when, when this one came out. So that means, yeah, yeah, Ron Perlman is almost 70. I mean, at this point, it's too late. It's never going to happen. The The new Hellboy happened because the studio said to Del Toro and Perlman, like, we, we think it's been too long to complete your trilogy, so we're just going to reboot it. It's never going to happen, but watching the Golden Army again and seeing, like, the, the setup, like, the stones the that have been laid down in the path to take it to that conclusion that I really want to see. And I would love to see how Del Toro did that. And the fact that it's never going to happen is, is disappointing. Yeah. It's a bummer. Uh, it, it is, it is a bummer because I, I think that this world that, that Del Toro has built and these characters that, you know, he's developed are, are great. You know, I, I love the Hellboy world and I love the Hellboy characters and I would I would love to see a satisfying conclusion to it. It is fun that this movie ends with the announcement of uh, of Selma Blair's character having twins. So Hellboy's about to be a daddy. Freeze frame, cut to credits. But <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird. But but, uh, but that's that's never gonna you know that's never gonna get a resolution either. Um, well, we should rate it and uh, rate? talk uh, about it. Why don't you start this time, Ben? Well, uh, I think this was an improvement on in, on every front from the last one. It's much more comic booky, vibrant. Um, the characters have so much more room to shine and really emphasize kind of their their development in the story, as well as the themes of being an outsider. Um, I love the the effects with the the monsters and the golden army, and I thought the story was really great. I love the balance of levity and darkness, like I mentioned earlier as well. I'm gonna give it a strong four. I would even you know push higher upon rewatches depending on how it holds up. But first viewing, I think it's a strong four. Cleve, uh, four point five for me. That angel of death, man. Holy shit. It's it's so good. It's great. Yeah. This is a little bit strange for me because I, I think that from an objective perspective, I can say that uh, this isn't an, an improvement on, on the first one. It is a better film. Um, weirdly, I didn't think so as a kid, but I, I do think that it is, uh, it is definitely a better developed, uh, just stronger film all around, better world building, but at the same time... Like, I do still have so much of that nostalgic love for the first one that I'm willing to sort of let some of its flaws slide. And I'm also going to give this one a four out of five. So I'm going to give it the same rating as the first one. And, but it's it's better. It's marginal, but it's better for me, for sure. Yeah, and uh, I think before we started recording, I said it too. Um, and even though I rated this film higher than the previous one, like, I think I think that Hellboy 2 is definitely a better film. Uh, I think that the first one is still like my personal favorite. Like, uh, I yeah, I I have I 
I can just quote so much of the first one. I get so much, so many of those like childhood mm-hmm. warm and fuzzies from watching the first one. It's similar to like watching the the eighties Transformers movie yeah. for me. You know, like it, it gives me that same kind of vibe. Uh, but that'll give Hellboy two, the Golden Army, a strong average rating of four point two out of five pods. <laughs> All right, and uh, now it's now it's the time. Last but least. Last, last, and definitely oh, least. least. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're about to talk about uh, Hellboy 2019, the reboot of the uh, Del Toro franchise by Neil Marshall, uh, director of one of my favorite horror films of all time, The Descent. And uh, starring David Harbour, who I think is a great actor, who does a really good job in Stranger Things. And god damn it, this movie is ass! Well, that's the thing. You know, like, it has some things going for it. Neil Marshall is, I would say, a, a pretty good director. You know, The Descent is great. He also did Dog Soldiers and which Doomsday. Which I haven't seen, yeah. Um, which are pretty solid as well. It's an R-rated Hellboy. Which... Well, that's that's the thing. I would say that that is this movie's uh, strongest advantage, is yeah. that it is a hard R Hellboy, which the other two are not. So it does take advantage of, uh, like blood and gore oh yeah they don't they're, um, they didn't get an r rating just because they say the fuck word like which is what we were going into the movie wondering we were literally driving up to the theater like i wonder if this is going to be r rated so they can just say the fuck word um which they do say plenty but no the there's some of the gore, there's, great. there's some there's some really great like blood and guts and violence in this movie yeah it's and fun think, and over the top and i you think know? i think that that suits hellboy really well the tone but oh my god, the fucking writing of this film and the editing of this film and the the, the pacing the in pacing? general just gave okay. me whiplash constantly. No, that's the, okay. Yeah, let's let's talk about the pacing. Yeah, the cinematography. That, let's let's talk about the. We'll, we'll get to the cinematography, but let's talk. Let's talk about the pacing. That's one of the most baffling things about this because the descent has incredible pacing. That is one of my favorite things about that movie is how it's paced. I think that it is masterful. And we will do an episode on The Descent. Don't worry about that. I I have a lot to say about The Descent. But the fact that that movie can have such incredible, like, perfect spot-on pacing, and this movie is... Whiplash-inducing is an excellent way to describe it because it is just non-stop there is no downtime there is no time for character development it's one action set piece after another it's just boom 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 well that's the thing it's not just action set pieces either you know sometimes we complain about movies having exposition dumps and it felt like this movie this was just constantly juggling. All, it was constantly juggling between exposition dump and set piece. Yeah. And to the point where it was legitimately whiplash inducing. Well, that's you the know? thing. No, you're absolutely right. There is, there's no time for actual story or character development in this movie. It is either action scene 
or exposition dump. There is literally, I, I cannot think of a single scene in the movie that is not an action scene or an exposition dump. And even like I the, the quote unquote character building. There's no character building in this movie. There's no character development. Is, is so driven by narrative and exposition yeah. that it loses that. You know, you think of something like the Osiris Club hunting giants with Hellboy. Right. And you're conceptually, like, cool. this is a great yeah, way. Conceptually, this dope. is a great way yeah. to develop Hellboy. And yeah. then it just becomes, it goes immediately from an exposition dump about the reasonings they do it and exactly what is going on here to action scene. And there's no chance for Hellboy to breathe. Well, yeah, they. Or, you they, know, they do feel all like the, a care. They do all this development of like talking about the Osiris Club's history with hunting giants. We get all that that scene of them like putting on their armor and like the master of the hunt putting on this like stag head. And it's like, oh yeah, blah blah blah, all of this exposition and stuff. And then it cuts to them. It's like this is where we'll lay the. This is where we'll wait for the giants. And Hellboy's like, yeah, this is a great place for an ambush. And they're like, it sure is. And then they just attack him. They just stab him. And it's like, ah, there's like, they're, they they do all this world building for nothing. I admit that I I was not totally jaded from the beginning, but I did get a bad feeling from like the opening sequence when it's just like immediately voiceover from Ian McShane. It's like, ah, it's the Dark Ages and they're called the Dark Ages for a good fucking reason because monsters are attacking and there's a witch and King Arthur and Merlin and they killed the witch and they chopped her up into pieces and they hid the boxes all over the, all over over England, and now it's time for, and here's Hellboy, and it's just like, ah, slow down. That was almost exactly as fast as that sequence actually was. Too. Yeah, no, like, I, yeah, that's, that's not even really hyperbole. Like, I, that was that's the, barely the, hyperbole. The, the like, funniest honestly. part like, it about was so like, and it's like the movie just started. Like, slow the fuck down. And, and that was a direct quote with, "They're called the Dark Ages for a good fucking reason." That is a direct line from the. the movie. The funniest part about that sequence is, you know, in the first two Hellboys, they have these really long opening credit sequences yeah. where they're very detailed yeah. and interesting visually. And in this movie, it's just ah, Hellboy, it's a slam, it's a smash, <laughs> Hellboy. Yeah, and then and then it's just like don't hold it too long. We don't remember what they're watching. <laughs> and then and then just from there, it's like ah, Hellboy's in Tijuana, and he has to track down this agent who was sent here to find some vampires, but we haven't heard from him for three weeks. Oh, oh, who's this? We're in a luchador fight. Oh, he's the luchador. Oh, and he's actually a vampire. Now we have to fight him. Oh no, Hellboy <laughs> killed him. Oh no, he's like, and then now the luchador vampire said that uh, the end is coming. You are the the apocalypse master or whatever. And Hobo's like, oh no, what does that mean? And then he goes back and then uh, Ian McShane is like, oh, now you have to go to England to f- to talk to my friend at the Osiris <laughs> Club to fight the giants. And then you have to go there and then, oh no, the Osiris Club is evil and they're trying to kill Hellboy. But then this chick shows up who <laughs> Hellboy knew when she was a baby because there was fairies, but there was also actually a warthog man who Hellboy burned <laughs> with an iron horseshoe. And then, uh, and then he comes and attacks and then Ian McShane comes comes back and then there's an Asian man and he doesn't like Hellboy and he goes to get a magic bullet that can maybe kill Hellboy but also maybe not and then Hellboy has to go and find uh, the the warthog man and it's just like <laughs> 
That is that the movie ends. That is the pace of this film. No, like, that's a hundred percent on so good. <laughs> like that is that's that, that's it, man. You that did is it. that is the pace of this film, and it there's no time to breathe whatsoever, and none of these things have any narrative impact. It straight no up feels like, like an comes to no conclusion. Have you ever heard like an eight or a nine year old tell a story? Yes. And that's exactly and how then, it feels. And then, and then, and then, and then, yeah, no, it's, it, it's that. It yeah, is that. Yeah. With blood and guts. No, 100%. No, it, it completely. Every time they introduce something, they resolve it within five minutes. Or, or just don't resolve. They either resolve it or they forget about it within five minutes. Yep. Like you said, the Baba Yaga thing. We get that early sequence of Baba Yaga talking to the, the warthog man. It's like, oh, Hellboy's wronged you. He's wronged me too. Go get him. And then we don't see her again for 45 minutes. And then she's in one scene. It's like, ah, you shot out my eye i'll tell you where the mila jovovich which is if you give me an eye and then he punches her a couple times he's like okay i'll give you an eye and then she's like oh you gotta go here better give me that eye he's like i didn't say i'd give you that eye right now and then he just leaves and it's never resolved and then the the asian guy who has like the horrible scars across his face is like yeah i, I got called to belize where there was a a, a jaguar monster and i'm the only one who survived and they killed everybody but i sure do I, that's how i got these scars and then oh man i'm gonna turn it turns out i'm a were jaguar i turn into a jaguar uh, right at the time when you need me to help fight the warthog man but then i jump in and i fight the warthog man i don't really do anything and i get thrown around a lot and then i turn back into the asian man and there's no consequence there, I, he didn't do I, any i i load my gun and point it for a while yeah and... well that that's the thing we get that we get that scene of him going to like the secret paranormal doctor or whatever is like this bullet is made with the the blood of saint so and so and also uh the bones of uh, another saint so and so and it'll kill hellboy but you have to hit him in the heart or the brain and then the guy's like hellboy's a dumb idiot he doesn't have a brain so i'll shoot him in his heart and then <laughs> There's no res there, 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 there's no resolution to that at all until at the the end when uh Hellboy turns into demon and he's about to shoot him and then uh uh Which means there were never any stakes. Well right, exactly. I thought that that guy would be like a double agent working against Hellboy because that's what it makes it seem like when he's going to a magical doctor to find a way to kill Hellboy even though he's on Hellboy's team, but he never betrays him. Yeah, it's like like if Hellboy had decided to like to just be evil or whatever like in that last sequence, like he's sort of taken the bullet. Like there's no there's no stake or like there's no scenario yeah. where he actually does. Right, like, exactly. Doing that, so fuck your fate. And and like none of the characters, especially the villains, have any sort of logical motivation. The warthog guy, his entire motivation for like resurrecting Mila Jovovich with, oh, excuse me, Mila Jovovich. Um, nice, nailed it. Good. <laughs> his his whole his whole motivation for resurrecting Mila Jovovich <laughs> is. Um, when he was a baby, 
Hellboy uh, touched him with an iron horseshoe and it burned him a little bit. Like, that's literally his entire motivation. And now he wants to bring about the end of the world to get revenge on Hellboy. And he brings back Mila Jovovich and she makes him big and beefy and strong so they can fight for no reason, because when he's about to kill Hellboy, she deus ex machina appears, and is like, aha, I didn't actually want you to kill him all along, I'm gonna make you a little baby warthog man again, and then blow, and up. Then blow up, and that's what <laughs> happens, and it's like, okay, well, why, why did you have him, why, what was the point of him yeah. all along? What was the point of them going to Merlin? So you oh want to defeat God. you want to defeat the Mila Jova witch, huh? Okay, well you need to go to this part of the UK and find this goat's path, and then you'll find Merlin buried in a hole. And he sure does, and Merlin's like, I will use the last of my magic to summon the mighty sword Excalibur so you can defeat the Mila Jova witch. And he touches it and is like has a vision of him bringing about the apocalypse he's like no i will not use the magical it's... sword excalibur <laughs> and then merlin is just like ah but that was the last of my power well, it's now funny i must because disintegrate into a skeleton right before that he like knocks out both of uh yeah. hellboy's partners yeah and you assume you know later he's gonna like revive them or whatnot but then he just disintegrates yeah he just and they're fine yeah no he just disintegrates the whole scene takes maybe five minutes and then they go it just they teleport to london where mila jovovich is literally walking around the streets of london spewing plague magic at people and it cuts to the news and they're like we have no idea where this plague is coming from <laughs> it's like oh well maybe it's the mila <laughs> Jova witch walking around spraying magic out of her hands. And and then pestilence. And then like after he fights the warthog man in the cathedral, like she just smashes the floor and there's the sword. There's the sword that he just denied taking. Right. So let's let's talk about that too. Because like the whole idea behind like Merlin like bringing in Excalibur was to imply it's like, oh cool, because it's coming up out of the water. It's like a Lady of the Lake situation, Right. right? It's like cool, there's a sword in the stone, like, I'm bringing it from the fey realm to you so we can we can deal with this. And then they bust the floor, and there's Excalibur and Dead King it's Arthur just, under this random fucking it's just under It's just under a cathedral in the middle of London. It's just under like, the floor. Like, so it's not even, like, in the fey realm? So, like, what well, was, right, Mer- they, where was Mer- Merlin pulling it from? Mila Jova, which even says, everybody was looking for King Arthur's grave all along, but he was right here! It's like, <laughs> look, like, they, the people who like, built this like, church, like, they wouldn't, the, it's, 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 it's the basement. It's, it's not even, it's like, 15 feet underneath <laughs> It's literally, it's literally just under the first layer of floor. Like, like it's yeah. not like, even like it's the first it's leak. Just the basement. The, the first leak you have. Someone's finding it's just that. the fucking basement. It's the laziest shit I have it's, ever seen. It's so fucking stupid, and it's so pointless. Like it has. There's no reason for that interaction whatsoever. Yeah. See, like the warthog guy could have been like a sacrifice or some shit to bring it in from the fey realm or something. No, no, no. Nothing. She just she like, just kills him for no reason. See, the one minor thing I'll I'll say about this whole clusterfuck of plot and whatnot is it throws everything at the wall, but at least it's not 
a boring, dour DC type of movie. I mean, yeah, it it's, does drag. It's not because there is not, no stakes. It's not grim dark, but I no, I'll agree with you there. It's not grim dark, but the lack of stakes and like the style of storytelling reminds me of like a conspiracy theorist, like connecting a bunch of unconnected things all the, with, all with the red, red string, yard, with yeah. with red string, you know, like getting tangled. It's like none of the set pieces really have anything to do with each other, and by the end. There's no real, like, concise chain of events that got the characters to this place. Hellboy unsheathes the, the sword from the stone after 15, 15 minutes prior saying, no, I'm not going to do that because it brings about the end of the world just because Mila Jovovich killed uh, Ian McShane, who plays Professor Broom in this. But as opposed to the Del Toro films where, or excuse me, the first Del Toro film where there's actually development between the two of them. You understand that father-son relationship between them. You know, Hellboy coming through from the portal and Professor Broom, you know, being like, no, don't kill him. You know, I'm going to raise him as my son, stuff like that. You get that that father-son relationship. So in the first one, when John Hurt is killed, it actually feels... Meaningful. Meaningful and impactful to the story. Whereas you get none of that connection between Ian McShane and and Hellboy in this movie. So when he dies, like, what the fuck does it mean? Most of the movie has been Hellboy being like, hey, fuck you, dad. (laughs) You You don't know. Like, you're not my real dad. You fucking, you came to to kill me when I came brought through the hell portal. Fuck you, dad. I'm not going to do what you say to Mila Jovovich killing him. He's like, no, dad. I'm going to unsheathe the sword that releases the apocalypse or whatever. And it's just like, what what the fuck is the point of any of this? Well, the the biggest crime for me was when, when he gets like, brought in from the the spirit realm by the conjuring <laughs> and, and and i saw some of the worst cgi i've ever seen oh my, my god life, it's like, it's aggressive well okay bad. let's it's let's rough. let's let's build up to that real quick because i agree it's shitty but i think the the build up to it is also really shitty so we get that parallel to the first hellboy movie he unsheathes the sword his horns grow back out he gets his flaming crown he gets all big and beefy it's like ah hellboy is ready to unleash the unpo- the apocalypse the apocalypse. The apocalypse. <laughs> um, we see it gives us cuts to like out in London to just like giant horrifying monsters which, which are very were awesome. cool they were very cool, cool designs they all remind me of like Eldrazi shit from like Magic yeah. the Gathering like mm-hmm. big monsters like wreaking havoc in the city like ah the apocalypse and Hellboy literally just stands in the cathedral and talks to Mila Jovovich for a second and then the ghost the, the slimy ghost of Ian McShane appears and is like ah but wait you have the choice to decide your destiny. And so he just kills Mila Jovovich just immediately and rips his horns off. And there's n- and then he just has five minutes where he talks to a, a bad, uh, <laughs> slimy Ian McShane yeah. ghost. Man, it's like none of it. None of it has any meaning. There's no point. None of the events of the story made sense to get him to that point. 
there's nothing of impact that happens in that scene. They're like just a bunch of people died just for no reason. And like like that Ian McShane ghost. It, it looks it's, good. It, it, it looks, is just his face superimposed. Yeah, no, it's And uh, it's so obviously superimposed. Like his face is like moving around like separate to like the CG model beneath it. For uh for a comparison It's like it's like it's like worse than Scorpion King. For like, for a com- for a comparison for a comparison for our listeners when we uh talked about the the thing prequel slash reboot last year and there's the the monster at the end that just has the dude's face like badly CG'd onto like the big monster body. It gave me that exact same kind of vibe. It looked it looked like dog shit. And that that conversation lasts for like five minutes. And at that point, we start to get some development after Ian McShane is already dead. He's like. I was a killer until I met you and you turned me into a good person, even though I didn't show it for the rest of the movie. I love you, Hellboy. Goodbye. (laughs) And the movie's over. Uh, Like, when we got out of the theater, I know I mentioned earlier in this episode that, like, the original Hellboy kind of felt hot couchy to me. This This, is very hot couchy. This is a hot couch revival movie, if I've ever seen one. I think this is the dawn of a new generation of hot couch movies in a lot of ways. No, I think you're right. You mentioned that, and I had, like, like a prescient uh, flash forward to, like two years from now, like, me off my ass on, like, Salvia or something on some, like, bro's leather couch in, like, middle of nowhere North Carolina, waking up with dry mouth and watching the DVD or the Blu-ray menu music of this of this film playing and be like, where the fuck am I? Yeah. Like, it's, it totally <laughs> it totally fits that May camp. That future of... never come. Yeah, seriously, May that future please. Never like, be. like if if I end up in that in that circumstance, like please just go ahead and kill me. Like that is <laughs> that time of my life is behind me. If that future comes to pass, I've taken a wrong turn. <laughs> if definitely feels like one of those dumb guy favorite movies yeah you know one where like if you catch bits and pieces of it it might not seem as bad as it is watching it closely all the way through yeah but if you're dumb as hell you probably think it's great totally totally if you have if you have no sense of storytelling or pacing like this is a movie that should get your dick rock hard yeah like if i was if i was like like coming over to somebody's house and i was just like walking through the room and i saw like the intro to the Baba Yaga sequence or something yeah. like they'd be like, whoa, people are saying this movie's bad. Why? Why? That looks that looks cool. That looks like fun. Or like the 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 exiting sequence with the demons appearing. I was like, oh shit, that's that pretty, was cool. Like, it that would have been. And yeah. if I'd just seen those sequences isolated, I would have been like, why is everyone so upset? Well, about see, this movie? the thing is, the thing is, like, but, I, but saw, I didn't. I saw the whole thing, and I saw, I'm very upset about this movie. I saw a lot of previews to, for this movie, and a lot of the previews kept showing that shot of like the giant, like Eldrazi looking demon, like walking in the Thames, like smashing London Bridge, and. Like I kept seeing those the that shot in the trailer. I'm like, that looks cool. I want to see what that's about. And in the movie, it's literally just that shot. Mm-hmm. It is it is well, that, that's the thing. That like, shot they use in the trailer, it's that one the, shot. Those monsters are so cool. They but look we dope. only have them for like five Seconds. minutes. Yeah, you know, you know it's like each of those. We shots, have cool scenes of them like ripping people apart yeah. and like skewering people and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Well and that's the thing is but. like it makes it feel also hollow at the end because like 
that this chain of events makes no sense and like it doesn't it doesn't feel narratively impactful and at the end it's like we've got that shot like panning out from hellboy in the cathedral and we see london and it's like in flames and all i could think of is like for what all of these people died horribly for no reason and like okay i get it bad shit happens in the world for no reason but this is a fucking movie that was written by people the story was written by people your narrative should have a fucking point oh speaking of like the the villain's objective in this what objective right <laughs> right like did, did y'all notice how she like not even paraphrase like she did like word for word like rasputin's like dialogue sequence when she's at she the top of the tree like she didn't the, we'll build a new eden yeah like, did you, you did and y'all, i were for this world i was just like did y'all did y'all same. notice did y'all notice that she had no no concrete objective in the film as the yeah. villain she just she just every wanted, every just, now do, and do, then say with hellboy every, yeah every now and then she she had some some mumblings about uh the magical creatures like the monsters shouldn't have to live in the dark you know like they should have the world too but she had no concrete objective like it was just it was just uh genocide for the sake of genocide whereas you compare it to like the golden army where like prince nuada has a very concrete purpose like the humans have been fucking up our world we've had to you know live in squalor and in hiding for no reason we want to save the world and the environment by annihilating the human race like that's that's an objective that makes sense. You might not agree with it, but it makes sense. And this movie, the villains have no objective. What I think is a, a great overarching theme for, for what this movie is about is like the scene where, where Hellboy is uh, talking with Ian McShane and he's like, oh, you got to do this. And Hellboy's just like, and then what? and then what and And everything ian mcshane says and and then we fight the next threat that's what we do and then what well and then and then we uh you know we keep defending humanity from the darkness and then what that is that is a perfect metaphor for this movie everything in this movie is like something happens and you're like okay and then what yeah something else happens yeah and then what two hours of and then what in a nutshell a hundred percent yeah one thing i want to talk about really briefly before we get into ratings because i think we've pretty much exhausted this one yeah uh is (laughs) is the music uh before we went in we uh i i made a little bet that we'd get a bunch of weirdly used 70s and 80s music in light of guardians of the galaxy it seems like every you know superhero movie tries to do something like that and you got one well we got two we got one at the very beginning and one at the very end and to be fair like we got a lot of like rock songs well that's the thing what we ended up getting i think is almost worse because like the soundtrack was a weird combination of like butt rock and it wasn't it wasn't quite butt rock it was butt instrumental rock. butt rock mixed with like dubstep yes no it's which is not quite butt rock but it's that weird like hard rock electronic blend that was popular like four years ago mm-hmm. which is really weird i i predicted hip-hop and we got one hip-hop 
<laughs> so we got and hip hop. We, we got and we got and hip hop. So I guess I was wrong. Yeah, the soundtrack was garbage. Like it, we mostly trashed this movie for good reason because mostly bad. Like I think I think tonally it did okay. The aesthetic was very similar to the original Hellboy. I think it got that. The acting, yeah. I can't say was bad. It was just the writing was really bad. So it, it's and it's hard to act bad writing well. And yeah, that's the thing. You know, we're we're re- absolutely trashing this movie, but like at the same time, I don't know if this movie deserves like eight and eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is you know. what it had the last time I looked at it. I'm sure it's changed a little bit since then. But yeah, I don't I don't think it quite deserves that either. I think it has I think it has a lot of good ideas, but they're just strung together so unintelligibly. Like you when we were driving home, you brought up an excellent point, Ben, is that like in a comic book setting when you're working with like thirty-two illustrated pages which is just, like, set pieces. That works really well because they're contained in, like, the comic book of, like, those 32 pages. And you can do one-off side stories. And you can do one-offs like that, but when you take, like, a dozen of those and you run them together with no break in between and no logical story arc that connects them, then it gets dumb and sloppy, and that's what this movie is. I think if you separate the set pieces individually, they work okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's just as an an entire construction, it's barely intelligible. A hundred percent. You know, you look at, like, the giant hunting stuff, for example. I thought, you know, in a 32-page comic, that story is probably excellent, you know? It's just when it's thrown in in a movie overflowing with story content, it just feels like it's lost in in the fray. I could not agree more. Like, I I think that there there are a lot of things in this movie where I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But it's just like, as a whole, the whole thing was such a fucking sloppy mess, and it really made me appreciate Del Toro's world-building and character development. Because, like, hokey or not, at least the first two Hellboys have characters. You can define the characters. You can track their relationships between each other. You can track their their faults, uh, you know, their merits, their virtues. You can track their wants, their desires, what connects them. And in this movie, there's none of that. There is, there is zero character development at all. It's all action or exposition loosely thrown together and it makes it it takes a lot of little things that could be cool and jams them together to make one big fucking fat stinker. And again, yeah. like like apart from like the Baba Yaga sequence too, like the cinematography is She so, never got she never got her eye. Like, That's like, never resolved like, whatsoever. Like, yeah, yeah. But like it, it just like the fight scenes, you know, are, are really whippy and, and fast and like born ultimatum style. Like it's just like constantly like just jerking the camera around like they just like you know, it's like all right we're gonna shoot the sequence all right get the get the bees out for the cameraman you know like yeah like, man see it's it's weird like i i know you're a visual artist so you're 
you're more probably more primed to it. But like, I know you had a real problem with a lot of the visual elements yeah. in this movie, and I don't know if it was just because I was so distracted by how bad the narrative was. Really but I wasn't thinking about I wasn't stuff, thinking yeah. about the CG or the camera work at all. Yeah, like, I, I there were a few moments where I'm like, oh, that's a cool design, or oh, that's a cool effect. No, 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 no. But the, the designs bad, were but great. The, but the okay. bad, the bad stuff, the bad stuff never bothered me and i think it was just because i was trying so hard to make the narrative make sense and i just couldn't do it that i just wasn't thinking about that so i think that's yeah. really interesting like the the concepts the were amazing the creature the designs didn't bother were good. me that much at uh, all. outside the of the, uh, at the end i felt was like was pretty rough uh like it the just, slimy it was, outside it, of yeah, the same dad i did, didn't have too much of a problem this film was was fairly guilty of like what the the han solo film was as well i think the han solo was too dark was well well, they they brought the darkness down like they they dimmed the film and they they brought in like much blurrier quicker camera shakes so they could get away they could make an attempt to get away with the worst cg like like the 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 poorly rendered like special effects uh like if you (laughs) you you track those shots out like it's not good that's what that's what they did in this film but that is not the case in solo like true true I i won't get too much into that like but no, no, no I, I agree. Like it's way Solo, worse in this film. Solo than it was in Solo. Solo. The cinematography. Solo got a bad rap for that. Is what I'm saying. And this cin- one's way yeah. worse. The cinematography in Solo is really frustrating for me because it's all so dark that you can't tell what's happening in like dialogue scenes. And what makes it the most frustrating is it's the same cinematographer who did Arrival, which I think is an incredibly shot film. Yeah, I, I could I could go on a big rant about yeah, that. That's yeah. that's that's side not, point. Um, no, the, my my whole bit is just that, I was just pulling a comparative for 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 cg and that this is far worse well I, I i do i do think that's i do think that's interesting because the the other than the the slimy ian mcshane at the end like i i didn't give the effects a second thought see i'm in the same camp i thought visually the movie was fairly fun i just had so much of a problem with the 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 pacing and structure of it and the lack of any sort of character development yeah that it it ruined it for me yeah i think aesthetically it it did it it did what it needed to do okay i i even like there were a few times where i was like oh that's a practical effect that's nice like there were a few times where i noted the effects in a positive way and I, I think that, like, from what you're saying, a lot of your problems with the CG and stuff came towards the end of the film. No, I mean, like, like the, the first resurrection scene as well, like, like when they're setting all that stuff up. Like, I just, I was like, is, is she goo? Is she, is she vapor? She's just CG. It looks bad. Like, like you, you can't even tell like what it's supposed to be. Like, it's it's so like blurry and fucking mismatched. There are several other points throughout, like like the sequence with her at the tree and like like her head getting cut off and like all of her oh, limbs in yeah. boxes looks bad. Like Merlin dying and like turning to ash was 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 pretty all right. Like that was yeah. Like, her I will I will agree. Her as a head looks bad. And and uh, the pun at the end after he cuts off her head and her head is still alive and he's like walking <laughs> with her towards like the portal to hell. Yeah. He's like, you should just quit while you're ahead and tosses her head like that. I. I audibly groaned. I think that's <laughs> such God. such a bad pun. Like it's like it'd be a fine pun if like he was dispatching like a villain, like or he was or he was dispatching like a henchman. But the fact that it's like it's yeah, like, a climax like, of like the if film. he like if it's mid fight scene, he cuts somebody's head off. Oop. 
and he cuts somebody's head off and it's like, why don't you stop while you're ahead? Like that would be funny, but for it to yeah, be like, like for it to be like that. his like, for it to be like his parting lines to like the main villain what? as he's tossing her into hell. Like, dude, no, I'm sure stupid. some dumb guy thought that was the absolute shit, though. Oh, I believe it. I absolutely believe <laughs> That's that. That's the shit. thing. Well, we didn't, yeah, there weren't many people in the theater when we saw this because everybody was watching Avengers. But during, like, after he did that pun, I, I did a loud, <laughs> like, because I, I could just, I could perfectly envision someone else in the theater thinking that that shit was just hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah let's write this. I'll start. I went into this movie hoping for the best because I like Hellboy. I'm salty just like Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman that this is not the conclusion to my trilogy that I love so much hashtag not my hellboy hashtag hashtag not my hellboy hashtag not my Amun Nunrama hashtag not my right hand of doom hashtag not my apocalypse yeah, this movie fucking sucked like I I wanted to try to find the good stuff in it and there were there were a few redeeming qualities to it, but overall, like, it's embarrassing that Neil, Neil Marshall made this movie and also The Descent, because, like, the, the difference between them is staggering. I, yeah, I, I thought this movie fucking sucked. It's gonna be a two out of five for me. Yeah, um, I'm gonna follow that up as well. I think, I think it... The, the trashing is is relatively validated, considering, like, like, again, that could have been Hellboy 3, like, it could, like yeah, that it could have been, that could have been, that instead, been Hellboy 3, yeah. and so, no, fuck you, like, get out of my house, like, 2 out of 5, and it's a 2, it's a 2 and not a 1, because of, like, there are good tidbits, like, uh, are good uh, tidbits. like the, the Bobby Yaga sequence, again, even though it doesn't even get resolution, like, the Bobby Yaga sequence and the cool demons at the end, again, which were just a couple of shots, were cool shots, and, like, there's like some there cool, were some neat some moments, cool ideas. There's so, some cool ideas. so I'll give it a 2, um, and again, David Harbour does a good job, and uh, we didn't talk about his makeup or whatnot, uh, it's been it like fine. trash, but I, I didn't. I, I thought it was great. I thought actually. it was pretty good. It, like, was, it looks fine. I think Ron Perlman is a better Hellboy, but I think the, I think I think the makeup was okay. Like, yeah, besides gonna, the besides the rubber tail. Yeah, which if I thought was weird. If yeah. you're gonna trash, if you're gonna trash one thing about this movie, like David Harbour's makeup is a weird thing to trash. Like, yeah, it's it's a it like I agree because yeah. no, Hellboy's I, supposed I, to look ugly, and I think he he, he, he looked he looked like job. he looked like Hellboy. Yeah. He looked like Hellboy. I I like Ron Perlman as Hellboy better. I like Ron Perlman's look as Hellboy better. But David Harbour did fine. No, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I I'm surprised we're all in a consensus on this one. I'm going two out of five as well. Um, I, you know, this movie was a story nightmare. Like I said, taking the, the comic book elements of it, a lot of the stuff would work fairly well on, in, you know, 32 page installments. The thing is when you try to pack all of it together in one film, you lose, the story and the the exposition you know yeah. you're trying to do so much that you can't really do anything it's, well it's all exposition and um, no story no story exactly yeah. and, like, and in defense of good comics too like like you can still get like story conclusions and like you know the like those key points of character development like in those well pages. that's the thing you know like usually for screenplays you know you have one page per minute so this would be like four issues of a 32-page comic book. Roughly, and they yeah. were trying to tell, like, a 12-issue arc, yeah. at least, in this, you know? And so 
for that reason, it just falls on its face. And you don't get the character development of that kind of stuff, you know? Like, all yeah, of his sidekicks, all of his sidekicks, you know, now. you barely realize they're supernatural sidekicks. You know, they're, they, they're barely paranormal. The guy, the guy who turns into a were-jaguar does nothing. He's useless. Yeah. Like, what? there's no point. It's frustrating. Doing, I yeah. will say I don't think this movie should be thrashed as, as much as it is. The creature designs are pretty fun. I like and the kudos to the, 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 the over yeah, sure, over no. the top. Like, the movies do. I like the over the top blood and guts in it. You know, it has it has some redeeming qualities. It's a bad movie, but it's not the worst. And movie. even some of the I concepts that, in yeah. it, like I I love the uh, the the giant hunt stuff, but it's just you know in context it doesn't work. So yeah, two out of five. Uh, check it out if you're interested, but don't eh, see it in theaters. Nah, um, it, it's a movie it. to see on a hot couch. It's a hot in couch a year movie. Yeah, no, it's a hot couch movie. All right, yeah, that's a that's an easy unanimous two out of five uh, for Hellboy 2019. Uh, before we wrap up, we have some uh, prediction stuff. Yeah, so with. we did we did predict this movie. We did predict Hellboy. Uh, Last time we talked about this, I wanted to mention that we were three to three to four. You both had three correct predictions, and I had four. Okay. So, Hellboy, uh, 2019. Matisse, you predicted a Rotten Tomato score of 72 and a box office of $55 million. That is extremely high uh, on fronts. Cleveland, you... You predicted seventy for Rotten Tomatoes and seventy million for Box Office. Whoa, that's even higher. And I predicted. So I don't know what I'm doing. Rotten Tomato. You've still won, like an even amount. Yeah, you and I are still tied. Again, for the same reason that Rando always wins when you play like apples to apples and cards against humanity. Like whatever. Okay. Right. Um, and I predicted fifty nine for Rotten Tomatoes and sixty one million. The final tally for Ron Tomatoes was 14. <laughs> so I got so, that one. Yeah, you win that um, one. And opening weekend was 12 million. Jesus Christ. Um, so so this do movie, I win that one? Did yep, I guess yep. the lowest? Oh my God. This movie fucking <laughs> fell on its face. Holy shit. Yeah, not. Oh my no gosh. good. No good. Yeah. No, I, I um, remember we all had somewhat high hopes for this when we predicted at the beginning of the year holy fuck man yeah, yeah wild rough, wild card rough, wild exactly card. well on top of that we got another one yeah right? curse of la llorona which we probably won't cover on the podcast we won't well, well unless it's like half we might we might we might put year. it in our mid in our mid-year roundup we'll or see. end of we'll year see. We'll you see. know we'll see we'll see we'll see I don't want to see it, though. Uh, well, the person that's ahead by the end of June gets to pick those movies. That's true. Um, okay, so, Matisse, you predicted Rotten Tomatoes of 22. Okay. And uh, 18 million at the box office. Word. Cleveland, you predicted 50 from Rotten Tomatoes and 25 million at the box office. I predicted Rotten Tomatoes score of 8. And thir- <laughs> $34 million at the box office. What are we looking at? So, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score was a 31. 
Matisse, you won that one. Yeah! And for opening weekend, it made $26 million at the box office. Cleveland, you predicted 25. Hey! So. Yeah. Right. Part of the money. So we are now actually tied. It's because I, to- I totally knew what I was doing. We're all tied That's up. Well, so I got the rest uh, of Tease, <laughs> you and I, we both have five correct predictions, and Cleveland has four. God damn, that is really close across oh, the board. Yeah, yeah. That's like way it. closer than our predictions for uh, the, the last year. Um, holy shit. Yeah, we're really close. All right, well, shit, that'll bring us to the end of this episode. Next week, we're talking animated horror, and we're talking specifically Akira, um, which Tetsuo! is... Um, it's a sci-fi film that has some horror elements. It's loose, but I love... I wanted it. We all we all love Akira. <laughs> this is Cleveland's choice, and, yes, I'm, sir. and I have no problem with it because Akira is an incredible film, and I'm very, very much looking forward to talking about it. So if you like animated horror, you like uh, anime... If you're a weeb... If you're a weeb, and... But an OG weeb. But an OG weeb, yeah. <laughs> like... uh, and, you, and you like Akira... <laughs> Tune in next week and uh, and check it out because we're we're gonna have some thoughts on this one. Uh, if you like the show, you know the thing to do: leave us that five star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice review. Help us boost those numbers. Do the thing. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod for updates on stuff that we're doing and working on and shit. Uh, also on Letterboxd, uh, at letterboxd.com slash podpeoplepod for a comprehensive list of all the films we've talked about on the show, our average ratings, links to those episodes, you know it, you love it, do the thing. Um, do that thing. Follow me on Twitter, at Mr. Van Awesome. I'm at Mr. Sheets, and uh, also you can send your uh, your favorite Hellboy DeviantArt to ClevelandMosher at Yahoo.com. Please do. Uh, the more scandalous, the better. And uh, yeah, like extra, extra weird. Uh, I want to see weird ships uh, in them. I want to see some like some Rasputin ships, uh, all, all that stuff. Like, th- throw it my way. Right at that so very legitimate that... email that you said. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, uh, and then, uh, <laughs> uh, lastly, you can find me, uh, legitimately at, uh, art, on Art Station, uh, under Iron Prism or Cleveland Mosier, uh, and I'm tweeting for Light Art Studios, and, uh, the best of the best is I can, we, we can, can finally, finally say, say <laughs> that, uh, you, if you, uh, you go to our website, uh, uh at lightartstudio.com and, uh, click on It Stairs Back. You can join our Discord group and finally play the prologue to our game, which is roughly three plus hours of delicious polished content, um, and it is extra spooky, and we, we are should, incredibly uh, proud of it. We've been working on this fucker for like two years. We did shout out that we were doing ECGC. We have done it, and it was awesome. we're, uh, we're proud to announce that we did win... Uh, third place in the indie game best indie game competition yeah. uh, at ECGC. Uh, there are a lot of other really, really great, good. really great games really going games. up in the contest. So, like the fact that we won is incredible. Um, even third place. And yeah, if you want to uh, play the game, join our Discord. You can find that link at lightarcstudio singular dot com. Light Arc Studio. Join our Discord. We have a really friendly community going. And uh, yeah, 
Come come play our game. Honestly, our uh, what's it called? Uh, our e- EO EAC our, our online. It's good. We're we're gonna uh, SEO. That's the one. Uh, our SEO is really good. And, uh, <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, anyway, EAC. point is, yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't remember what the fucking a- uh, yeah. acronym was. No, uh, our SEO is. Yeah, good. our SEO is really good. So just like Google, it stares back. We'll come up. You'll see us. Yeah, you my electronic AOL no. count is through the roof. Oh, it's it's skyrocketed. Uh, it's really good. Also, uh, this episode it was sponsored by uh, disappointment. All right. <laughs> <laughs> It sure was. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Tune in next week for Acura. We are the pod people, and until next time, if you can open the portal to hell, just fucking do it, honestly. Just put us out of our misery. It's time. Okay, bye. Bye.